The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 14, where we chat with Sandy. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so Sandy, who are you? Well, uh, I'm Sandy. I'm a 38-year-old native Milwaukeean. I have been poly for about eight years and identifying as poly for six. Uh, I am in a polyamorous V, so I have two partners. I'm married to one and the other one not married to, uh, and they're both men. Um, that just begged a story, that intro, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, identifying as poly for six, but poly for eight. Yes. Um, Would you because... like to elaborate on that? Yes. Um, when I first kind of learned what polyamory was, it was because I met some friends who were polyamorous and I decided that maybe this is the thing I wanted to try exploring. And I was with a partner at the time who I lived with and we, you know, did the thing of reading all the books and attending classes and exploring for a really long time and then decided to open up the relationship. But it kind of felt like an experiment at that point. Um, and I honestly, I remember having conversations and reading about the idea of is polyamory 
Is it an, how much of an identity is it? Is it a, you know, is it this, is it an orientation like your sexual preferences are? And I, at the time was like, no, it's just a choice. I've decided that right now we're going to do this. It's not an orientation for me. It wasn't part of my identity, but definitely six years ago. Um, and it was, I think, I think the thing that made me feel that way was breaking up with him and realizing that, you know, whatever relationships come next, they're not going to be monogamous. <laughs> um, and then it became, it was definitely part of my identity from that point forward. I was a polyamorous person, whether I was dating one person, no people or not. Cool. So um, how do you identify? I identify as a cisgendered female. I'm bisexual. I'm Caucasian. I'm liberal. I'm a big nerd. Um, I'm a dog mom. Uh, and I'm a steampunk. I do a lot of costuming and a lot of hanging out with steampunks in the southeastern Wisconsin area. Uh, what drew you to polyamory? Well, like I said, I first just met some people who were polyamorous. And at first it was literally like I first started reading up on it just to like understand what these friends of mine were doing. And at first I wasn't looking to get into it myself at all. Um, but the thing that really intrigued me and had me really interested in exploring it was the idea that it kind of forces you to have a choose your own adventure relationship. Um, that if you're not following those kind of social norms that you were raised with, you have to really think about each piece of your relationship and relationships and figure out what you and your partners want out of them. And I really loved that idea. Um, I had been married and divorced previously, and that relationship I felt like really was following a relationship escalator. I was following what I thought were the social norms and the things I was supposed to do, and it did not make me happy. Um, and so I liked the idea that we could kind of explore that more. I also admittedly part of it is that I'm bisexual and I was dating a man and I kind of wanted the opportunity to not limit myself off from other genders, especially if that relationship I was in ended up being a lifetime one, which it didn't, but you know. So I think you said a little bit in there about what poly means to you. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about that? Poly to me, I mean, it means... It also means just queering the norm, you know? I mean, my sexual orientation is bisexual and that's queer, but I feel like it's a queer way of living your life too. I don't like following societal expectations and just doing what I'm told. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's another thing I really like about Polly. I like that it's, it's just not the expected. And I mean, I guess that's a thing I hear a lot from people is that I'm never what the expected thing is, but so it fits. What about polyamory is difficult for you? Scheduling. Scheduling is always difficult. <laughs> One of my partners has an iPhone. I have an Android. <laughs> He's got a really old iPhone. We can't manage to get the calendars to sync. So we're literally stuck using like paper calendars. It's horrific. <laughs> um, that's probably one of the hardest things. Um, also, just kind of being forced to live in the closet. Mm -hmm. um, I try to be out of the closet as much as possible about being bisexual, and I'm out pretty much everywhere. Friends, family, work. Um, but with Polly, I feel like I'm forced to be in the closet more. Um, I'm out to a couple coworkers, but only the ones that I feel close with. Um, I am not out to my husband's family. I am not out to my other partner's family. Um, they would not understand 
there would, it would be bad drama. Um, and that's tough for me sometimes to be kind of forced to live in the closet like that. Plus I like to talk a lot and I like to talk about what's on my mind. And so I'm going to be talking a lot about both of these people who mean so much to me. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of going, my friend, my friend, my friend, Peter, my friend, Peter. <laughs> um, and you know, I guess if you don't know that polyamory exists, then you don't really suspect anything necessarily, but it's like terribly obvious. Right. Well, and I think also people can be very weird about men and women being friends. Absolutely. And so whatever, you know, they may be making correct assumptions about your relationships with Peter that have a different implication because of their understanding of when you are married to one person and you are talking about someone else. That's absolutely true. And that drives me insane. I have lots of friends that are all different genders and screw anybody who thinks I shouldn't. Oh, totally with you on that. Um, So you've talked a little bit about when you first knew that you were poly, but when did you first feel different? I think I've kind of always felt different. I mean, I'm a big old nerd. I was the kid everybody picked on in school. I also pretty quickly found a band of other nerds. So, you know, I wasn't isolated, but I've never been normal. I've just luckily found people who loved that about me. (laughs) So in a way, you know, being different about this too, it just kind of fit with how I've always felt about myself. And where are you on your poly journey? This is tough for me because I'm not a person that sets goals, or at least not big ones. Like, I never know what I want in five years. Um, I, like, if you ask me, I mean, I intend to be with Dan for the rest of my life. I married him with that intent. And, I mean, I see no end in sight with Peter either. Um, The three of us have like this really wonderful family dynamic and I love that and I hope that continues. Um, But, you know, things change in life and I don't know exactly how all that will change. Um, So where I am currently, I mean, I can look back at where I've come in my poly journey and I have learned so much um, and I've become an, okay, well, this sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I've become a really great communicator. <laughs> and I do hear that from both of my partners. So it's not just me saying it. I think it's okay to be proud of the thing. Yeah. Actually, true. <laughs> this is true. I've gotten really, really good at that over time. I've gotten better at understanding my own jealousy um, and managing it. And now I don't feel it nearly as much as when I first started. Um, I feel a lot more compersion than I did when I first started. And one place I see my poly journey possibly going is possibly down the road, there might be some kind of hybrid cohabitation with Peter, with my other partner. He and Dan and I, like I said, we have this this almost family dynamic. Um, Peter currently lives about a 40-minute drive away from our house, but he works right by our house, and his daughter goes to school near our house, and does extracurriculars near our house and he's pretty much every weekday stuck in Milwaukee for a couple hours he can't go home first he's waiting for her to get done with whatever she's doing um before he picks her up and so he just ends up at our place almost every night and that's becoming a very frustrating situation for him to not be able to go home and be able to work on projects Mm -hmm. and so we're currently kind of negotiating this hybrid where he's 
probably going to clean up our basement and bring some of his tools and then start to work on projects and just kind of take over that area of our house. And he still won't live with us, but he'll have this space mm-hmm. that he lives in for a few hours every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's maybe not like a huge destination, but I can see us. It sounds like a milestone. Yeah, of some kind. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Um, and we all, I mean, the three of us really do try to kind of help each other out with stupid stuff. When I was sick last week, you know, Peter was going to get me medicine and he's helping fix Dan's car and we help with stuff with his daughter when we can and, you know, just mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that part just continues because that's, this is the first time I've been in a relationship or a polycule that kind of had that dynamic and I love it. I absolutely love it. So um, is there anywhere else that you hope to go with the poly journey? I mean, I know you said you don't really make goals, but if you sort of let your imagination wander. I definitely always, always hope to keep learning things. I will always keep reading and keep going to classes and stuff. Um, In my wildest fantasies, Peter would move into a very nearby place and... We actually, Dan and I live in a duplex that my father owns, and he owns another duplex across the street. And so personally, I think that down the road, if there's an apartment available, I think Peter should move in there. He's dealing with other things on his own, and he's not quite there. But I'm like, it's perfect. I can, I, I'm a built-in babysitter when you need it. <laughs> and I, I get on really great with his daughter. Um, and so I think that would be the ideal, but who knows, a lot of stuff would have to happen. And other than that, I think a big part of my poly journey is going to be watching both Dan and Peter branch out and date. Neither of them have done it a lot. Um, Dan is very shy. And so he honestly hasn't really dated much. And he's finally starting to do that a little bit. And he's having so much fun. And it is so wonderful to watch. Um, And Peter's a little bit starting to date here and there, not very seriously yet, but we'll see. And so I'm sure that's going to change all kinds of things. And I look forward to whatever that brings. Would you say you have a reason why you are poly? You know, I know you like said you you kind of didn't identify as it as like a an uh, adjective more or, or <laughs> as a noun more as an adjective. Yeah. Like you were doing poly before, but you identify as poly now. Yeah. Uh, and why do you? Why do you think that changed? I think the the communication that comes with poly or that comes with good poly, as I see it, mm-hmm. um, is a huge part of it for me. Um, back when I was in monogamy land, I like after my divorce, I actually went around trying to go, okay, I'm bad at this. I need to get better at this, this communication thing and this relationship thing. And I actually tried educating myself and reading books, and they were terrible. They were just awful. Um, And reading poly books and the communication piece is actually completely what changed my mind. And it's, I find myself talking to people all the time. I'm, I'm one of those people that you can just go to and talk about anything. And people usually just kind of sense that. And so whether it's relationship stuff or your weird sex stuff or whatever, I'm here and I won't judge and you can just talk. And if somebody comes to me with some relationship troubles and it's communication, I always say, look, I am in no way suggesting that you open up your marriage, but the only books I can recommend to you about communication are poly. Skip the stuff about poly. Just read the communication parts. These are fantastic and they will help you. Um, and that's, that's really what changed. And that's probably the biggest reason that I think I'm poly is it just, I love that skill set that 
it goes hand in hand with it and it forces you to do that. And I love that. So why did you agree to be interviewed? I think this podcast is fantastic. I'm so excited you guys are doing it. Um, I've been listening the whole time. I just, I think it's great for visibility. And I love the idea of showing people that poly folks are normal and that we, you know, come from all different walks of life um, and that we're all different types of people and we have different types of relationships, but we're all poly, you know. I like that you're humanizing it. And I want to be a part of it. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, guys. So the uh, topic that you chose for today is polysaturation, which might be a new uh, word for a lot of our listeners. So could you define what polysaturation means? Yes. I was racking my brain and could not remember where I first heard the term, so I feel bad that I can't attribute it. But at least to me, polysaturation is when you are kind of, your bandwidth will not allow for any new partners. <laughs> You're full up. Um, schedule-wise, but also just emotionally, energy-wise, that's it. Um, And I especially wanted to talk about this topic because I was saying that I was polysaturated about a year ago, and then I dated some this summer, and it reaffirmed for me truly what polysaturation (laughs) means. You felt polysaturated with just two partners? I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, my two partners and I, it's not casual with either of them. I spend a lot of time with both of them. And they both have kind of weird schedules. Um, Dan gets home around 8 and his days off for Thursday, Friday. Peter works sort of normal, but like I said, he lives like 40 minutes away and, you know, has these obligations with his his child. Um, So schedule-wise, and because I am very emotionally invested and intertwined with each of them, You know, I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't really have time for dates with other people. It would be hard to schedule. So I'm polysaturated. And then I dated a couple people pretty casually over the summer. One was just chatting with somebody and they asked me to coffee and we ended up going on three dates in three weeks. And they were upfront that they were looking for somebody to date. They were looking for somebody they could see somewhat regularly. And it was pretty easy for me to go, you know what? I don't have that kind of time. (laughs) Um, and then the other person, it was long distance, so it didn't actually require like my physical, um, time. But again, I mean, schedule wise, it was really clear that, you know, like my weekends were absolutely not free and they worked during the week so that it just wasn't going to work out. But it wasn't just the scheduling. It was my anxiety started skyrocketing. Um, even just texts from new people where I suddenly felt like there's four people that I have to keep up with on texting regularly, in addition to friends, you know, it just felt overwhelming. Um, and I also, I felt like, like I just wasn't going to have any time for friends and for social activities. And it was such a small change. I mean, the two people I dated briefly didn't even really overlap, but it was just like, just a little bit, just a little bit extra that absolutely pushed me over the top and made me realize like, this is not, this is not good for me. And I, so I ended it with the long distance person and, you know, they're an amazing person. And it was like the most wonderful breakup conversation I've ever had because they were a great communicator and they were totally understanding. I love Polly, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) but then I kind of, it felt like this weight off my shoulders. And over the next like couple of weeks, I actually had time to schedule friend dates and somebody laughed and thought I was saying oh and then I started dating someone else and I was like no no I literally 
got a chance to hang out with a friend one-on-one who I hadn't seen in forever, who I wanted to catch up with, or who I wanted to become better friends with. And it made me realize that, like, for me at least, making sure I have time for my friends is a very important piece of it for me. Like, I look at my friends as my chosen family. And so, yeah, I could probably add another partner, but then I wouldn't have time for these friends. And as I've learned more about relationship anarchy, I've, you know, it's almost lent credence to this feeling of, wait, I think these friendships matter a lot too. And I feel like they're just as valid. Um, And so I think that feeling of poly, I think sometimes it's so easy to, it's so tempting to just, oh, but that person is so cute. (laughs) Oh, but they're so fun. Oh, but I just, you know, we'll just go on a date or two. But me especially, like I fall so fast and so hard and I get really emotionally invested. And so I, you know, did the hard thinking and came to realize that I know what my saturation point is now, and now I actually respect it. And it's really helped a lot. It's helped me with my own mental health. And it's also just helped my relationships be better. You know, Mm -hmm. they can go off and date new people. And I'm not so jealous of that now in the, oh, but I want to be doing that way. It's now I can just, that's fine. I know that I'm happy this way. This is great. Um, And so I would encourage, it's tough when you're in the middle of NRE. But I would encourage everybody to, whether it's journaling or doing self-check-ins or something like that, but just check in with yourself and see how everything is feeling and see if you really, if you really do want to be dating new people and maybe decide that before that shiny person comes along. (laughs) (laughs) I have found that a common pitfall, especially when people are just either just opening up their relationship or just beginning to be poly, um, is oversaturating themselves kind of on purpose uh, because they're like I can date multiple people therefore I will date everyone you know like literally everyone that says yes to a date I will I will see I will go on a date with Uh, you know I will go on three dates on Saturday and two on Sunday you know like and it's it's so much (laughs) it's so much and it's just like casting this huge net to see what you get because I think when people are new to poly they they don't know if anything is going to work out right so they're just like I'll just keep keep going on dates keep going on dates we'll see what happens and then I'm kind of getting a kid in the candy store vibe yeah 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 yeah. and uh and then maybe you know like four or five are are good and they're like oops I shouldn't have done that oh no (laughs) wait now I like four people what I can't do that that's too many you know (laughs) Uh, and often people get hurt because it's, you are spreading mm-hmm. yourself too thin mm-hmm. and you are doing way too much and taking too much on. And if you, and like, God forbid you have a job or a family <laughs> or, you know, like any other obligation in the world. Friends that you want to spend time friends, with. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Hobbies. Um, yeah. And, and I feel because oftentimes I'll also get the, the opposite of like, I can't find a date or oops, I'm dating way too many people and now I'm super overwhelmed. And it's like, yeah, that's, uh, both of those are rookie mistakes that <laughs> I feel like you kind of have to go through to learn because you, until you have way too many Google calendars to sort through, <laughs> you won't know that, uh, that pain. So way too many paper calendars. That sounds yeah. really crazy. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and actually, um, going back to a previous episode, Roxanne's episode, she talked about, um, mm-hmm. in part of her healing from trauma that her therapist told her that she had to make dates with herself and stick to them. Um, 
And weirdly enough, that had not occurred to me until I heard that episode. And that's actually a thing that I've been doing since then. Um, and I realized that, like, as part of thinking about polysaturation, I needed to make sure that I had time for those dates, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's been really helpful. I actually first uh, heard about Dates with Yourself from the book The Artist's Way. Okay. Did you ever read no. that? No. Oh, it's a really good book. I, I recommend it to anyone. It's kind of a, more about getting, like, your creative juices flowing. So it's really good for artists and writers. And, um, and it's a really popular book, but the like main tenets of the book are, are journaling and, um, like self-care days. Essentially. I don't think she used that word because it was written 30 years ago, something like that. <laughs> like, so, um, but, uh, essentially self-care date days with yeah, yourself yeah. and journaling a lot. So, yeah. uh, and I think that both of those things, though she didn't probably mean them to, are very beneficial to poly <laughs> polyamory <laughs> because journaling has been a way that I can actually like write down my feelings and then reflect on them before I go to a partner and say like this is what I'm feeling because oftentimes I don't know how I'm feeling or I can't actually put it into words or I'm feeling some way and then I write it down and I'm like oh that's irrational I'm not gonna. Yes. I'm not gonna talk to them about this because that's stupid or something. You know, whatever the case may be. I definitely uh, use journaling that way to get the irrational yeah. stuff out and come to the nugget of like what's actual stuff that needs to be talked about, and then I can have a rational conversation. Right, because if you can't get it out of your head, right. then it's gonna come spilling out at an right. word moment. vomit. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then self care days, I think, are also super important to. I mean, I guess finding yourself is maybe a, a term that may or may not apply, but like going out on dates with yourself to be able to know yourself better, I think is a good way to be able to get to know other people better. Right? It's true. Like, it's absolutely true. And just working through that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a challenging thing, I think, because so many of us do have really densely packed schedules and the thought of like, but wait, if there's a window of opportunity where I could see one of my people, why would I not take advantage of it? Yeah. And it's very difficult to, I think, um, sort those priorities in a way that actually balances all of the competing desires and needs. Yeah. Including to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do you have you um, felt polysaturated before um, in your poly journey? I guess have you, is this the first time that you really? This had to was deal the with first that? time I really had to deal deal with it. Um, it was the first time that I had like two serious partners and then started dating somebody else on top of it. So it was the most partners I'd ever had at one oh, time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been that big on like seeking new partners at all, I guess, while, while Polly, it's usually, I mean, I haven't done internet dating in like eight, nine, 10 years or something. And I'm really glad to not do that ever again. So (laughs) do you think that the polysaturation point is an actual number or kind of more a time? Like I, by that I mean like I remember say I remember used to say that my polysaturation point was two and then I was you know obviously dating my now husband and then I started dating a couple and so I was like well that's three but it's even more than that because it's like it's a relationship with uh, this man this woman it's my, our relationship all together as three people and and I was like ah that's 
that's different. And honestly, and maybe it was too much because it didn't work out. But also, like, um, the polysaturation point kind of changed. With I think it dynamics. does. I think it's not. It's not a number because every relationship is so different. Like, if I had a comet that I only saw once a year or a couple times a year, I would probably have more bandwidth for that than a person I live with and make financial decisions with. That takes a lot of time and energy, you know? Um, And I have this tendency when I like somebody and fall in love with them and whatever, I just want to see them all all the time. So I know that I don't really do casual relationships very well, you know? So for me, my saturation point is low. But I, th- I don't think Dan and Peter will have such a low saturation point because I think they're both much more capable of different types of relationships. Um, but I definitely think that there's... It just depends on how much time does it take for you to be a participant in that relationship and also how much mental energy. Like, how much... I, I use the term bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, my the two local relationships I'm in are very different relationships and with the way that my life is organized right now with my kids, I'm polysaturated with those. I also have a comet, right. but it is sort of a different thing. We see each other a couple of times a year. Um, but I can imagine, like, during the summer, I have a different schedule with my kids. And so I have more free time. And, you know, I can imagine, but I don't know that it would be a good decision for me to expand <laughs> in the summer knowing that in the academic year, right? you know, time restraints are going to change yeah yeah i also was wondering if like casual relationships are counted as like a 0.5 you know like (laughs) like, well i really only see them maybe once a month and it's just to like have a fun good time i guess like almost like a comet but not far away right and literally doesn't take up any time and not that much mental energy except occasionally and uh but then again, I guess some people would be like, well, that's not necessarily all that poly, but I feel like... Mm, I mean, I don't know. It how is it not it poly? It's yeah. as poly as you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. think poly means every relationship has to be incredibly Romantic serious and serious, potentially, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, indefinitely long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, you know, it is whatever the two or more people in it decided it is. Right, and honestly, yeah. there's, uh, there are a lot of relationships that are just in that uh, dating new phase in which they're not a relationship or quote unquote, you know, like capital R relationship yet. They're like, well, I've gone on like three dates or right. something like that. Right. Like I wouldn't call that a relationship. We're exploring the a... possibility of a relationship. Right. Yes. But, right. Right. but it still takes up time. It, it still does. takes up energy. Yeah. 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 It really depends, I think, on the nature of the relationship itself. I, I guess I want to qu- quantify it these there is no quantifying relationships <laughs> like i don't know why i want to be like this one gets a number and this one is a 0.5 and this one's a point like what seven five but, uh, but nerd problems only right. yeah. i could get problems. up to two but where i am right now is only 1.8 so i could have another two tenths of a relationship <laughs> and if i count couples as one it's fine no <laughs> 1.3 maybe 1.5 yeah. yes so is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or any advice you'd like to give people who are maybe going through some polysaturation moments in their life? Yeah, I mean, kind of around this whole journey of realizing I'm polysaturated, realizing I need to spend more time with myself and also do more sort of self-evaluation. Um, I actually recently asked a group of friends who I consider to be very smart people and who also happen to all be poly. Um, I was like, guys... 
self check-ins. Like I've, I've used the check-in from Multi-Amory when I want to do a really structured um, check-in. They call it Radar. It's based on Scrum from the programming world. Um, and I, I've used that with both of my partners before to very great effect, although it's a very long check-in. Um, and one day I was just like, wait, I could do that with myself. What do you guys do? And I got some really great advice that I've started using very specifically. And that was uh, one of my friends said that they do... Uh, they do a brain dump from time to time to get all this stuff on their mind out, which I really liked. But the thing that just blew my mind was that um, they called it a needs inventory, making a column for kind of each area of their life that they think does need their time and attention and then writing down the things they're doing. And then it was really easy to see the places that weren't getting enough attention. Um, and those categories were physical health, emotional support, friendships, marital health, because this friend is also married, family, fun, stress relief, work stuff like that. And right now those are the only categories I'm using because I just started doing it. So we'll see how it morphs over time. But, but I found that to be a really nice way to kind of, I'm not evaluating my polysaturation exactly, but I'm evaluating my whole life and it helps me see things like polysaturation. And I, I personally think that's a nice tool. And for those uh, listeners that don't know, Multiamory is another podcast, a yes. polyamory um, podcast. It's really awesome. I recommend it to everyone. Literally. Uh, and uh, I think they even have a radar, and I cannot remember what all of that stands for, but I think they have a worksheet that you could like they print do. off. They yeah. do. They absolutely do. So that would do. be an interesting like journal yeah. exercise, you know, yeah. printing that off, putting it in your journal, and then, yeah. um, and then answering it for yourself. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I also would really recommend to anyone, and I frequently recommend to people, um, their Triforce of Communication episode is a really great yeah. uh, communication tool. Yeah, I will randomly just, like, uh, scroll through all of their episodes, especially before, like, a poly group or something, and be like, oh, that's a really good idea. Let me listen to what they have to say on that. And then I'm like, wow, they are geniuses. They really <laughs> like, are. They really think about this. <laughs> this is amazing. I get so many good ideas from them. Um, I heard you enjoyed listening to Gretchen's episode. I very much <laughs> did. When, when listening to Gretchen's episode, she was talking about compersion, and she was talking about chatting with a potential new partner that she was just starting to date and her husband seeing it and him being like, oh, that's adorable. And then the person she's chatting with sharing with his spouse and her being like, that's adorable. And like all this compersion. And then I was like, what do you call it when you listen to that episode and you realize you know exactly who they're talking about and you're just feeling all this joy for everybody. And we, we named it a compersplosion. Because <laughs> didn't they say something like, Compersion orgy, or yeah, something, something like, that. like yeah. that. I don't know. That's really good too. I, <laughs> I think um, Gretchen's uh, nesting partner was the one who maybe came up with compersion. I think you're right. I think you're right. Nice. Yes. He was very proud of that. Mm -hmm. I had to draw a very complicated diagram just to explain that story to my partner Peter, who was like, "What? <laughs> who?" I actually took like, your diagram and then I expanded it. Because uh. <laughs> I saw a picture of your beautiful diagram and I was like, oh wait, but there's so much missing from this. Good, good. That would be a fun file to have to, that can keep growing and growing. I guess it would it would be constantly changing though. It would be. Yeah. It might also be triggering to some people like, oh no, I yes. needed that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a snapshot in time. It's, mm -hmm. Yes. It's fairly Absolutely. entertaining. And Absolutely. <laughs> not quite sure i know that in the l word it was like literally a like a board right like yeah i think it was like a, a dry board or, or something yeah. like that yeah. yeah 
I don't know quite how you could do it on, on the interwebs, but I'm sure there's some kind of spider I web technology. I think actually they outward, um, there was one on the line for a while when the, uh, either right at when the show was still live mm. or uh, mm -hmm. very shortly after. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Love it. That's fantastic. I don't know who would be our Shane. <laughs> I know there is one. There's probably a couple, actually. There's, there's a couple people who I'm like, oh, you're dating them now? Oh, yeah? <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, questions, questions. <laughs> we should all get buttons. <laughs> Are you the shame? <laughs> all right. Well, I think we have saturated polysaturation. All right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming in and being interviewed here. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It was really fun. Thank I'm you delighted. very much. All right, so that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams. We'd like to thank my husband, Rob, for helping us through our many sound issues and thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. We will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.